Rocking chair, chair sessions. sessions. With Elisa Di Batista, Maria Teresa Barber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to RCS Rocking Chair Sessions, Volume Seventy-Seven, with artist 77. Nick Mashi. Welcome, Nick. Hey, welcome. It's Thank a good you. number. <laughs> That's it's a, a great good number. number. 1977. I know. I like Perfect. it. Perfect. I'm October excited. October 1st. We're already in October. What happened? I know. I know. It's happening way Wait, October, too fast. October 1st. Yes. Yeah. Way too fast. Year just gone. Plus, you're already like in the Halloween spirit. So like, true. Mary dresses and black. very fun. <laughs> Halloween is very fun with me. <laughs> Halloween is every month. Orange and black. That's so funny. No, and you're wearing lime. Can we jump into your color usage? Yes, we I should totally jump into. I was at your website and I was, was like, like, color. Bam! <laughs> it's like so colorful. I love you already because of all the color usage. So incredibly bright. Where does that come from for you? Where where does color he come from? He was born from? in Miami. I was born in Miami. I can't okay. get rid of he, color. He can't do like, without color. I open my eyes and it's just like, Do you remember you know. the hospital or obviously that's not, I'm <laughs> serious. Um, I don't remember the hospital, but I remember like everything thereafter. Okay. You know, okay. everything was like technicolored <laughs> as soon as I got out into the world. Yeah, so it's followed yeah. me. I'm due for like my black and white period though. Oh no. I, I think you'll be totally depressed if you're doing black and white. I because know. like all your stuff is, I mean, right now, neon highlighter shirt. Like I'm loving it. It's like yeah. representing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Color coordinating. Totally. It's just like my sneakers. jam. It's just, I can't go without color. Oh know. my goodness. Oh. I, and I wanted to say being in Miami, there's some, it's like that, the, the stigma that goes with like Miami Vice, like the neon, like the bright, the calling for attention. That's always something you've been attracted towards. You've never had like a gray or black period as you suggested. Always, it's always like always, it's always been there. And I think the things that I was attracted to, even like as a kid, was just like, it was just like my, my crayon sets. Like I just would like organize them meticulously. I collected turtles and I had like painted turtles and this kind of turtles. And I would just like look at them you know, like decorate their terrariums and stuff. So color has just always been there. And those pebbles do come in neon those colors pebbles, too. Those pebbles, but you gotta watch out right. with those colored pebbles because the turtles eat them. Oh no! Don't get the colored pebbles. <laughs> any, like, any, kids, any kids out you there had listening? Live turtles? Yeah, live turtles. You're like disclaimer, disclaimer. And yeah. the turtles yeah. eat the. Don't eat the. <laughs> yeah, don't put the multicolored pebbles in the turtle tanks. Not gonna oh, work. Yeah. No. Like, I already tried it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not I've at tried all. it. It's bad. Bad oh, news. Oh <laughs> no. That's so funny. You have like a little turtle cemetery behind. Yeah, I did. Yeah, my mom's old house. Oh was, no. Was sad. That lemon tree did real good though. Oh, <laughs> that's so oh, fun. Lemon trees. Where you're um in your backyard because I know that there were a few years ago where they like cut down all the citrus around South Florida because of canker and supposed canker and you know our state fruit is like you know the orange and so like a lot of we people had, did you lose your your yeah, trees as well we had amazing trees that were planted like when my brother and i were born mm -hmm. and so you know these trees were like 20 something years old at the time we had a grapefruit tree lemon tree and they came in the backyard and they chopped wow. them down they did yep, we had down. orange and lemon oh my god yeah. and that was because was that because of the 
There was a quote unquote canker scare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't know. Our, our leaves never had anything. Yeah, like. Um, but those were not the giant snails people. No, 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 no not gi- giant snails. It was like black, this black fungus or cancer oh, or something yeah. would infect. Yeah, for, for, for plants, like yeah. citrus plants. Because I, I had people come that were like looking for the giant snail. No, what what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant that? snails. Yeah, I see is that all around time? the airport. Yeah. It's like, beware the giant yeah. African snail. African snail. I think so. Yeah, they're yeah. not. Local. I was first moving to Miami, I opened the door and the guy said, yeah, I'm looking for the giant African <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you trying to sell me here? Where did I move to? Can I please go back to California? Giant African snails. Miami is really funny. I mean, I have to say. There's so many, there's so many bizarre moments like that though. You know, you're like in the drive through at Pollo Tropical and like a giant iguana like jumps on the food <laughs> of the car what schools did you go to when you were living here or did uh, you ever move I, I, oh well you googled him but i wanted to hear from him i didn't google okay. you um so i grew up in like southwest miami westchester okay. neighborhood which uh, it did uh, which sorry. Did? yeah that's sorry. obviously sorry which what was that <laughs> she knows <laughs> Anytime I go back to Wachester, I get croquetas and a fade. Right? I'm Here like, yo, to, I need a haircut. A I'm in Wachester. <laughs> Real Cristal is my spot. Anyway, so I grew up in Wachester and I went to school. What do you want? What do you want to know? Like, no, high just school? like whatever you want to throw at us. It's fine. Okay. We're just. Just yeah, I don't know. All right, here's here's a good starting point. Glades Middle School. Oh. Right. Glades Middle School is a good start because I was really into art, and my art teacher was Mr. Clark. Oh. Mr. Clark. Shout and out, I'm like, out to Mr. Clark. Clark. Shout out, Mr. Clark. Good or bad? Come to find out, Mr. Mr. Willie Clark, who always came to class with like a like a Hawaiian shirt, a baseball cap, <gasps> and colors. sunglasses. Oh no! Sunglasses. 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 And I found out years later, and Mr. Clark was like a character to begin with. And he would say, you want me to bring my Grammy in? I'm gonna bring my Grammy in. And he would call people names, be like, you're a muffin head, you're a round head, you know, like sit back down, toilet face. And he's like, I'm gonna bring my Grammy in. Straight up, Mr. Clark brings in his Grammy. Oh my and we're God. like, what the hell, you know? Like, is this real? What's this guy's deal? Where did he buy this? So years later, I'm watching Anthony Bourdain's you know, episode of Miami, mm-hmm. and he is talking about music in Miami. And sure enough, he's at a restaurant in like Liberty City mm-hmm. with Mr. Willie Clark. There's Mr. Clark. Deep City Sounds Records. Wow. It's like Motown from Miami in like the 70s, and Mr. Clark was like the leading producing like oh, manager. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, so there's, so and Mr. He was Clark. Your art and he was like middle school art teacher. How cool is that? Yeah, so. Oh my God. That's, that's like, you know, one of those like Miami moments. You're like, oh, no wonder. It was like so yeah, formative. Like you never know. And I, I applied to the cactus, you know, and succulent uh, drawing fair or whatever. And he was like, these cactus, you need to put more orange in there, more blue, more red. Like, so I put some yellow in like, that cactus. Like, add more color. And you're like, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, you know what you're talking about. Like, he's like, you see, you see 
Nick, you're going to be rich one day. <laughs> so, anyway, middle school, Mr. Clark, Blades, oh, shout that's out. that's amazing. Um, yeah, and then I went to Coral Reef. Coral um, Reef, ooh, yeah. magnet school. So, I'm actually a New World waitlisted kid. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. No worries. But, I didn't um, even know New World existed. I was... No idea. Yeah. Or dash. I was like, yeah. what? what? What are these clothes? But Coral Reef was great because I also had another really instrumental teacher for me, high school teacher, Mr. Scott McKinley. Also great shout dude. Shout out Mr. Scott. Scott. Shout out to my teachers, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I went to school. I studied painting at uh, RISD. Cool. Yeah. Rhode Island School of Design. How was that for you? That was great. That was great. I mean, it was great. And then it was not so great. So then I did like a year abroad in Rome. Nice. And that was like really great. And then, yeah. And then I finished my degree there. Was it the doing the general courses and having to like learn like the formal things? Was I like that, that stuff. You enjoyed it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It what actually, was it that was like, er, that was like not so much for you? I think that um, that program, it's, it's a little bit like depart. Mentalized. Yeah, each, so, everything's different. You, you seem very transdisciplinary to me. Yeah, so I think that was it. Is everyone in painting was like painters, and only. they like wanted to go to move to New York and show in Chelsea galleries, and that was like the only thing that seemed like a possibility. And I was kind of like, I don't know if that's the one thing I want to do though. So that's where I felt just a little limiting. But um, but yeah, otherwise that program was. I mean, RISD was great. What did you do in Rome? So I went to Rome and it was an independent study and so I just kind of had like a studio and like cool. a critic and yeah and basically Did you have like a partner school or something or it was, was it through it was straight up through RISD It was nice. through RISD they so they had some kind of program set up for you too That's amazing Yeah they have like a palazzo Oh. Yeah, a palazzo, palazzo Cenci. And so Did we you pick like, up Italian really well? Eh, un po', parlo un po', ho dimenticato molto italiano adesso, ma ci vediamo. Did, the, did that Spanish help a yeah, little bit? Yeah, Spanish helped a little bit, yeah, yeah. Mm. But anyway, so Rome was great because I just, I think it was like the moment when I really realized that like my art could be about like life yeah mm -hmm. and about my experience of the world and it could be so much more than like painting in the studio um and trying to show in a gallery in, in chelsea and I, i ended up my project i was doing there was i got really fascinated by um the romani like the the gypsy people of europe i mean you're europeans you know and uh there were these people that i Sigoyna saw in german But you don't, Ro, Roma, we call them. Zingari? Yeah, they were called gypsies. You're not calling them gypsies anymore. You call yeah. them a Roma. Roma. Yeah, Roma. Or Romani, oh, maybe Romani. in Italian, yeah. it's like Romani. Yeah. 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 Yes, I got really fascinated by these people because they were like fixtures also in the city and this, um, you know, historic Renaissance Italian history. And like, here's this immigrant group that is just like everywhere, you know? Well, they are also not really... Like, I don't know how it is in Italy, but in Austria, the way I experience them, they don't really want to settle down. Mm -hmm. They don't settle down. They have like their, you know, movable housing units, which is like a little, it was not that great at the time. Now they have probably the wohnmobile, like the, you know, the RVs or something. Yeah. But They would just be here Transient. for a while, like seasonal, totally. Yeah. And yeah. then do something. Sometimes they have like a little bit of a, you know, 
How do you call yeah, it? Yeah, like they a would fair pick, or yeah. like a, or they would pick, and a these, carousel? The ones or... I knew, they would like pick tomatoes in the summer. Yeah. And they would go back up to Rome. And, and then they would move on. Totally. So it was like not like immigrants. It were just transient people, right? Yeah. They were just yeah, moving. That's how and, they're kind of known as, yeah. as nomads. And nomads, so, yeah. Yeah. And so the people that I met, uh, Claudio and... Uh, no, it's Yono and Claudia, and they just happened to always situate themselves on the street panhandling. And so I started buying a cappuccino for Yono every morning, and I would sit there and I would sketch him. And and then after like months of doing that, he was like, "Hey, why don't you come over for you know food?" And so they invited me to like the squatter settlement like in an abandoned factory on the periphery of the city and i was just like this you know 19 year 20 year old kid and i was like sure why not and it was crazy because i had my camera and i was just like here we go it took three buses to get there and it was it was like totally scary at first because i was like where am i what did i do and then next thing i knew i was like sitting in a shack and they were like cooking this like you know old tomatoes that they had probably picked out of the garbage for me to eat. And they were offering me food and we were all eating. And and it was like, that was just like the most eye-opening moment for me, I think in my education, speaking of education, because, mm-hmm. you know, I was traveling and I was like seeing how other people live and yeah. being inspired and interested and yeah. Did they have any new first marriage? It's, it's just so interesting how it's always like, Especially in Europe, but I feel like the same is true for in the States too, to some degree. Every person who is either looks different or lives their lives different, you know, there's this fear, right, at mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't really know them, you, don't, you can't really gauge what, what they're going to do. Or, and then when you get to know them, it's actually, you know, you can have these beautiful encounters right. and it can be really enriching to all of all the all the people you know but it's like it's just the fear at the beginning yeah and it's a group like that there's a lot of stereotypes about them in europe and and i'm sure they gauged you too like just as much as you were looking at them they were looking at you and they're like he's a student like he doesn't really like it doesn't matter if we do like like he you know just yeah yeah, looking up and down but the thing with yono that um was interesting is i was talking to him about I started talking about my dad and I lost my dad when I was a kid and so and so I don't know there was like this weird kind of like bonds that I felt with this guy Mm -hmm. and you know we we kind of like I bought like a dictionary because he was actually a Romani from Romania so I had like a Romanian Mm -hmm. Italian dictionary and I would kind of like translate things and just chat with him and I've just felt like this kind of bond I mean it might be naive but at the time I was like felt really like I liked him a lot mm-hmm. so anyway yeah that was really cool and you survived your experience because you're with us here today yeah, exactly <laughs> we're here to tell the tale and you were like in touch with him like all throughout the year that you were throughout there throughout the year and he even gave me like uh, the address of like his family and I was so fascinated by the Romani that when I finished my year abroad or my, my year in Italy uh, I was like I'm gonna travel to Romania and Bulgaria and, and, and try to like discover, you know, this culture, this Roma culture. Yeah. And so I did that and I took a train and I ended up in like villages. I was just telling people, oh, I'm interested in the Romani. And this guy's like, oh, I, I'm running for mayor and I know this village, you should come with me. And so like I went into this village and 
I'm just like some like random freaking student with like my sketchbook. But I would just go in and I would like sketch them and I'd give them the sketches and yeah, it was like kind of a, a yeah, it was a nice experience. But I gave like my phone number to people. I don't know why. And so for a long time, my mom would get phone calls like in the U.S. from like the media. Yeah, yeah, what like were they asking, asking for, yeah, asking like, for money and stuff. Oh god, they were asking for oh money. Collect. We have your son. Yeah. <laughs> and then so my, yeah. oh my god, was your mom worried? Yeah, she's like, she's like, like somebody keeps calling for Nico, and I'm like, yeah, I'm Nico. <laughs> anyway, no, but that was a really cool uh, part of my education was like traveling and you know. Oh, that's great. And your your friend in uh, in Rome, he stayed there or he moved around or he went he, back to Romania? I heard, I heard details about him in years after, you know, because he continued to panhandle in the same area. But um, I don't actually know what happened to him after several mm -hmm. after a few years. But they were not really moving. They were staying they in Rome. They always stayed there in Rome. Uh -huh. Yeah, for at mm -hmm. least a period of several years. I wonder if he has I'm serious, maybe. You never maybe. know. You should look him up after this. Oh we'll keep you all posted if you I find. I need to look up Yono on Facebook. You find Yono. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good one. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Wait for that. It's, it's an incredible story. When did you go back to Romania to visit the village? When was that? That was in the summer after my like year of studying. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just I finished the year studying and then I went. You know, oh, I you went straight trip. to yeah, Romania straight right from Italy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't, nice. I didn't return years you're afterwards. Out there, you might as well do it while you're in there. Yeah, totally. I, and that, that was really my philosophy when I was. It was like my first really time outside of the U.S. And I was like, okay, what's another five thousand dollars in student loans if I can, you know, explore and travel and take advantage be of this time? Here. And yeah. it's cheap for students usually in Europe. Yeah. You know, take a train yeah. and then. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. what That's an so experience! Great. Yeah. So. Here you are, first year RISD student, you get on, thrown into all this, like, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, and then you canvas. go to Rome and explore this whole, like, free-spirited people that rules don't really, you know, they have different rules, right, for mm -hmm, them, and mm -hmm. then you come back and have to finish school. How is I that? I had to finish school, What's you're right. What's your artwork look like after that? So I started painting on cardboard, and I started bringing my work into the public sphere. Um, so I was making portraits of the of the Romani people that I had met, and and so cardboard became a really kind of crucial material that I started working with. Arte povera, for sure. Yeah, and um, and so I came back, and it was tough. I had one more year of school, and in fact, I wasn't really jiving with like my class, and so I was doing uh, I was doing my thesis ended up being like volunteer work. I was I was working with a group called English for Action and I was like working with young students and making kind of like artwork in the community. I was okay. volunteering at a hospital and so I guess my yeah my, I just kind of was I broke that mold of what painting needed to be and I still wasn't ready to like settle for you know art in the gallery per se. Yeah you didn't want to be mm -hmm. stuck in your studio you wanted yeah. to activate it more yeah. outside with people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was basically it. As I, I did several projects in throughout Providence, where I was just working with people out in the community. Mm -hmm. yeah, so painting. it really changed the way you were making yeah. art. That experience. Uh -huh. Yeah, really did. Uh -huh. Did you take a break after VST and before you went off to Chicago? Totally. So that was so I guess pivotal for me that I was like, I don't want to be in the states 
I want to like, I, I feel like I have fresh eyes when I am elsewhere and I can make artwork that feels more true to me. So I had heard a lot about Buenos Aires and Argentina and uh, my brother, who's a journalist, he was like, dude, you should, you should really check it out. It's, it's like a great city. It's got a, a great cultural scene. It's, it's relatively inexpensive for you know, foreigners. Check it out. So after I graduated, I worked for six months in a restaurant in Rhode Island mm -hmm. where everyone went off to New York or did their thing. I saved a few thousand bucks and I moved to Buenos Aires. Okay. Yeah. And I did, I did a little residency and so I was there um, for a month doing this residency and then I was like, okay, I got some money. I want to learn, I want to get my Spanish up, you know, so um, let me see what I can do. And I talked to a friend whose grandma had a little apartment oh. in Buenos Aires and she's like, okay, no one's really staying there right now. So if you want to stay for a little bit and take care of it and just pay the, the the expenses, you can stay and use it as your studio. That's amazing. Wow. And I ended up staying for four years. What? <laughs> yes. That is incredible. <laughs> so, so I lived in Buenos Aires for about four and a half years after I graduated wow. from RISD. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, just having your own headspace and being able to make whatever work you want for four years. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was. A, I always called it the granny pad because it was like you know it was oh, like that's old. So cute. Yeah. I can imagine like yeah, it was yeah. like old some old furniture and this brown carpet. I never really like decorated it. It was really kind of dark in most of the house, but the living space you know put down like plastic tarp and totally. that was my studio for that time. And oh, it was great. Nice. It was. I found Buenos Aires to be super inspiring, and, and I just couldn't really leave. I'm wondering, like, your the jumping of the palette. Has your palette always been consistently? I'm just so obsessed with your palette. It's just you're mm -hmm. so colorful, consistent from like Rhode Talks Island. <laughs> I know I'm wearing colors today. From Rhode Island to like Argentina to like now, has how has your palette kind of changed or, or grooved or has it stayed um, pretty much the same? I think palette has remains pretty consistent. Nice. You're attracted to what you're attracted to. I feel yeah, like you're just, you know. And like if I if I don't do it, I just feel like I'm being disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of like just always goes back to like the palette is the consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, but so in your time in Buenos Aires, you had your studio. Did you work or did you? How did I you? I taught English. You I did taught? odd jobs. Okay. Yeah, I, I like would audition for commercials. Like they they needed an English speaking people. That's so um, fun. I uh, yeah. What else did I do for money? A lot of English teaching. Um, and I met all kinds of interesting characters doing that. I worked like I would go to this like rubber factory and like teach these guys English at this rubber factory because they sold products in Cleveland. Cool. Yeah, it was like, it was interesting. I just pieced it together, you know? I just pieced because it together. Because that's an accomplishment because usually as a young person, you know, you would go and go abroad and you have like a school or something that is in your, you know, that would mm -hmm. kind of give you like, well, a framework. You can, mm -hmm. yeah, a framework, a structure, right? Mm -hmm. Because to be like in a, in a strange city or in a, in a foreign city and have to do all by yourself, that's pretty impressive. No, but after you having were still structure young. for like, four years, yeah. it must be so free to it like do so whatever you liberating. want. It was liberating. It was yeah. so liberating. I no think voices. A, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. No the critical voices, voices yeah, like, of every, everything I had been indoctrinated to just in like art school. And you're doing what you want. And I was, exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, Fuck it! I'm gonna paint on cardboard. I'm gonna paint. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna start making like costumes. When did that begin? 
In Argentina? That started in Argentina. Nice. So in Argentina, it's where I created my alter ego, uh, Tranqui Shanky. Tranqui Shanky was Tranqui born Tranqui in Tranqui Argentina. Tranqui Shanky was born in Buenos Aires, <laughs> totally. So what like, does Tranqui Shanky mean? Tell us. So, Tranqui, like from Tranquilo, like oh, calm. Like calm. Oh, yeah. 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 And yeah. so the Argentines use Tranqui, like to Tranqui, like, like, stay like, calm. like Tranqui, no, what are you doing today? Tranqui, no, I don't know. So, Tranqui, but then Shanky comes from like Yankee, like the American, the derogatory term that they use to refer to all Americans. Oh, like Yankee? Like, yeah, this es, este Shanky de mierda, you know. So I was like, Shanky? Tranky? Like, tranky, you know, shanky. Maybe, maybe I should like embody the Tranky Shanky. And there so, you go. And so yeah, I became the Tranky Shanky and I, and I created a kind of Uncle Sam costume out of cardboard and then I started doing these performances in the street. Nice. How did what did respond? the performances yeah. look like? Um, they started because I was, again, I guess still sort of like following that thread of like the Romani and this like alternative like lifestyles. I was interested in, in people in this neighborhood called Once in, Argent in Buenos Aires that were selling products, but like totally like under the table, like black market okay, style. Okay, like Mickey Mouse or like knockoffs. Yeah, yeah knockoff okay. stuff, you yeah. know. Or like, you know, you had people like Bolivian selling this product, you had a guy from Africa selling this product. And so then I was like, you know, questioning this idea of like alternative sort of like uh, economies. Yeah. And I thought of myself as like the American and like, what do I sell? You know? And so I, You're like, I'm gonna sell cardboard that people so throw away. So I'm gonna basically paint, and I'm like, I'm an artist, and I think I, and I have this, you know, there's definitely this element of kind of like insecurity about like, what am I contributing? And so I was like, well, I make fake products, basically. I make stuff that's useless. And so I created a closet that was called my Super Pancho Armario, my hot dog closet. It was decorated with colorful hot dogs. And I created fake clothing, little paper clothing that I would hang on the racks and I went up there with my tranky shanky outfit and I would just pretend to sell my stuff. Did anybody ever try to purchase? Never. Did they throw money at you? No, but it was, it was hilarious. But they understood me. Okay. I felt understood. Okay. In some way, because people were like, He's like a clown, but he's not a clown. <laughs> I mean, you are bright and, and colorful. He's, and he's like, and he's, but he's an American. He's just, but like, like, this is fun. Let's take picture. Anyway, so it was, it was just a fun way to engage with people and to also question my, the stereotype of myself, and and to poke fun at myself and to figure out kind of like where I fit into an alternative economy as as a foreigner. So that was Tranqui Shanky. And Tranqui Shanky evolved a lot over the course of those four years. So it started with these performances on the street and I would go to different neighborhoods. I would set up my closet and people would interact with me and sometimes the cops would tell me to get out. And you know, it's like, and, and but then people started and I would keep a blog. And then I had like a little kind of following and people were like, you know, you should really make that clothes like wearable. It's like pretty cool. So it's like, Okay. okay. Noted. So noted. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm gonna do a fashion show, and and so I did uh, my first fashion show at a nightclub, and I built all this cardboard and paper clothing that I hand painted, 
and I, I, I worked with, I was really into this music at the time, uh, electronic cumbia. Mm-hmm. And so we like worked together with the DJs and we, you know, we coordinated and then we did the fashion show and all the clothes would like rip as people were walking down the runway, but it was just awesome. It was just <laughs> totally awesome. And I was like, this is, this is the, this is where Twangy Shanky is going from the streets to the runway. <laughs> you know? so. From the paint to the fashion. No, I great. can't believe that like that story is so good. I can't believe that from the paper clothes and from this like what could be my product, you know, you end up actually coming up with the product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people and, asking for the product. And people Did you, yeah, you kind of responded. Did you sell any of these? Items. People. <laughs> well, they already <laughs> fell apart. On a lot. Well, they would, a lot of them would rip and stuff. Oh, but then I would much. reuse them. Yeah. And I would tape them together, mm-hmm. and I would redo a Make different thing. Else. Totally. Yeah. Um, but that was, I think, the the moment when I started to think, like, yeah, maybe I need to make some stuff that, like, I can sell. That won't fall. That won't fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I started to do, yeah, at that time also to help subsidize my living, I started painting apargatas, which are like uh, espadrilles, you know, like... Uh, Espandrillos, the shoes? The shoes, yeah. So I would, I would hand paint these shoes and I would sell those. And those got pretty popular. I mean, they would take me three hours to make and I could only sell them for like 20 bucks. But, you know... That was something I started doing to sell. And I was like, I kind of like the accessibility of this. I'm like, I'm making my art and it falls apart. You can't really sell it, but it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And and the people that want to participate or have, own a little bit of it, I, I, I make these shoes, you know, and I would sell mm-hmm. these shoes. Um, yeah, so that, and I think that's really when I started to like see this interesting relationship between like fashion and, and sort of like items that could be consumed and and art you know there was like a parallel going on simultaneously yeah mm-hmm. that's cool and then when did you decide to go to chicago and go back to school wow okay so <laughs> um shanky evolved and got to finally a point where i was like tranqui shanky is it's seen its time you know and so i did the tranqui torres uh, the tranqui towers final show and i auctioned everything that i ever made off for like as little as two pesos and i invited <laughs> i had a pretty big like show and we just sold we did an auction with like a megaphone and oh, i just take fine. out all my products and i'm like okay the tranqui shanky parrot like chaleco Five pesos, ten pesos. So I sold everything. Nice. Um, I don't know where that stuff is now, but I'm all sure. over, all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever yeah. I had left over, which was actually very little, I burned it. Um, so I left Argentina. Bonfire. And, yeah, a bonfire, asado. asado. I did an asado. Oh, you cooked something over yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we made choripans. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> like sausage. Oh. Yeah, like sausage hot dog sandwiches. Um, okay, so I actually I met my partner uh, in the time, like the last kind of six months in which I was in Argentina. And, um, and so she's like French, French-American. And I was like, okay, I need to go back to the States. I need to figure my shit out and like help my family and all this stuff. So where can I go? I was like, I can't go to New York. It's too expensive. I don't want to go to Miami because I'll be living at my mom's house. But a friend was like, hey, I live in New Orleans. New Orleans is cool. And I was like, New Orleans, yeah, that's perfect. I'm like, the transition back to the States, the music, the carnival, the Mardi Gras, the French, and my partner. And I was like, 
let's just do this, New Orleans. So I moved from Argentina to New Orleans in 2011. No. No, 2013, sorry. Okay. 2013, and I lived in New Orleans for two years. And I worked in public schools, teaching art, cool. and yeah, and sell, and doing carnival, basically, doing Mardi Gras. Carnival, yeah. perfect city for you. Yeah, yeah, so I was still kind of making costumes, but tranky, I was... Tranky, shanky. No, tranky, shanky. Retired? Sort of retired. Okay. Yeah, and then I was, yeah, it was more like... I was teaching a lot, and I was just kind of like painting and making cool stuff for Mardi Gras. That was a couple of years. And then I was like, I'm ready to go back to school. And that's mm -hmm. in Chicago. <laughs> it was like a, two, three Mardi Gras, and I'm like, I think I'm going to go back to school now. And we're done. And we're done. So um, 2015, I went back to school, and I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And the program that I was attracted to was the uh, Masters of Design in Fashion, Body, and Garment. Mm. And um, Nick Cave is the, like the visual artist, was the chief kind of advisor in that program. Oh, amazing. And so I saw, you know, I, I looked at everything I was doing over the past, like, you know, 10 years. You're like, hello. And I was like, yeah, like, this Makes is it. Makes perfect sense. This is what I need to do. And so I went back to school for two years uh, in Chicago. That's amazing. I worked with, yeah, Nick Cave a little bit. Anyway, How was that? I'm still recovering. <laughs> I just, I was, I was thinking because I was like, he just got back. That was 2017. You graduated, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, that was yeah. like a year ago. Yeah, I've and I know been... how I felt a year after I graduated from like with like, the master's program, and it's kind of like I'm hitting the, I'm hitting it now. Yes. I'm confronting it now. Yeah, I think that this past year was like autopilot, you know. But I was. What were your favorite classes? Do you feel when you were there? Uh, in Chicago? Yeah. Um, favorite classes? Yeah, because I feel like as a graduate program, like they offer, they, they allow you to play and go into different things, but you're being so more specific to the garment. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't very specific to garment. We, I okay, was doing great. installation. Excellent. I was doing installation work, and and Nick Cave did not want me to play. He wanted <laughs> me to like focus, focus, I mean, and to mature yeah. and to grow up. So all my fun tangy shanky stuff, he was like, "Get rid of it." No he's like, yeah, he's like, way. "Don't." He's like, "Move on." And so I kind of had to really close that chapter. And it was a it was a tremendous period of of kind of like growing yeah. and, and beating myself up and crying a little bit. You always cry in grad school. Always crying. It's what grad school's for. It's what grad yeah. school's for and really confronting my demons. Um, yeah. But my favorite classes were actually in the textiles department. Cool. Did you learn how to like do weaving and all that stuff? Or? Weaving not so much. I got really into screen printing on fabric. Yes. That's what yeah. you're talking yeah. about. That. Yeah. That's yeah. how we, when we went to the That's where we met studios. you. Like we met you in your studio well, at Well, you were recommended yeah. by somebody else, but we stopped by and we saw you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about that. So that's what I did is I got really into that and I was, and I just made you know, the perfect connection between painting and color and, and, and flexible fabric yes. surfaces that mm -hmm. wouldn't rip Will and fall apart. Rip and fall apart. Yes. And so I started printing on fabric and I got really into repeat pattern and I got into printing with inks, printing with dyes, and then starting to incorporate that work into like installation. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was just awesome. And it was also a beautiful counterpoint to what, Nick Cave was telling me because it was he was so rigid and and so kind of like 
controlling that I would go into that studio and I just felt like I could just make stuff. I could just make it and feel good making it and just respond intuitively. And that's really how I work best. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm, I'm like such a, like a manual person. Same. I just need the materials. Physical. Mm -hmm. Physical. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, just give me the materials. When I start beating myself up over like, Overworking something. Yeah, right? overworking something. And what are the conceptual? No, it's this way. Or no, it's that way. I just, like, I get, I stunt. You know, I can't move forward. So being in the textile studio was perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really exciting. No, I, I think it, it pushed you, like you said, towards a different, it's kind of what you were doing before with the paint and the colors, but into a different area, a whole different arena that just is pushing you forward and you're still doing it now, actually. Yeah. Um, when you moved from Chicago to Miami, why? One, did you come back? And two, where did you go? I was thinking about coming back to Miami for at least seven years or so. I've been thinking about coming back. And I was always following Miami and... Uh, coming back to visit my mom, but then my mom left like five years ago, so I didn't. I like lost my lifeline, and I was like, this city was so crucial, yeah. informative for me that I felt like something was missing, and so I think all the way back when I was living in New Orleans, I was like, I'm gonna move back to Miami at some point, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, it just seemed perfect after grad school. I was like, now's the time. I want to be back in that community. It, you know, I, I, I love it. It's changed a lot. And I want to be part of this exciting moment. Mm -hmm. um, so moved back a little over a year ago. And um, where you said, where did I go? Yeah, like in terms of like residencies, because it Found seems like... Had, right? Yeah, yeah, so right off the bat, yeah, I I went to... I got in touch with uh, Catherine Mikesell, and they had a studio available, and so I, I got into Fountainhead. With also the idea that I would build out a screen printing studio. Totally. Yeah, they didn't have that, and in fact, when I was up in Chicago, I was talking to people, and I was like... You know, I'd really like to start a, a studio, like a screen printing studio, because A, because I love this medium and it's really important for me, mm -hmm. and B, because uh, I think that having these resources would be awesome for other artists, so you amazing. know? Yeah. And so I started doing some research around the city, you know, before I even moved back mm -hmm. and didn't really see anything like it. You know, so I actually was basically planning. Okay, I want to I want to start a studio, and so when I got back, I didn't really have the money to like rent a you know totally. my own space and stuff. But I, I fell into the Fountainhead, and I was like, well, let me just equip this space for now. And, yeah, mm -hmm. for now, and if people I know want to come by and use it, I'll extend that offer. And so I started to do that a little bit. Space wasn't perfect for it. But at least I got a sense of like how to like lay out my space. Mm -hmm. And so I was in Fountainhead for I don't know September to June. How many months is that? I'm so bad at math. I can't even. Like nine months or something. That's a good time. Yeah. And then um, and then the art center thing came about. Yeah. Talk like, to us about call, that. So they're like call to print artists who Hello. want to pay, like residency who want to run the studio and have it may have a silk screen it's such perfect yeah, it's so like, like I can't be more done. perfect there yeah. like yeah, yeah. So, angel like, thing yeah so it was perfect and I went there and I 
checked it out and I was like, oh, I want this so bad, I want this so bad. And so it worked out, stars aligned. And so I've been at, at Art Center for like three months. They picked you. Three yes. months, so it's just brand new. Brand new, yeah. And it's a year residency. It's a year residency, July, August, September, yeah. Yeah, and it's really so affordable, great. and you can do the you can do classes and there. And you do classes they, there. I do classes there. Yeah, so really affordable, better than really affordable. They give me a stipend because I'm managing the yeah, he is. print shop. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah you, you teach God. the classes. That's great. And yeah. so yeah, I, the idea would be that because it was dark for a long time, like literally lights out, storage. People weren't using the print studio for the past like a year. Yeah, so, since the last previous um, yeah. print, um, I think, studio person who left. Right, yeah. right. So I got in and I had to kind of like gut it and rearrange it and throw out all the old stuff and then reactivate it. So yeah. we set up a program with classes and workshops mm -hmm. and open studio hours. So now the idea is that in, in addition to those classes and workshops, some of which I teach, we have these open studio hours so other artists can come by, get authorized, and then use the shop. Totally. Yeah. May have to know to respect this piece. But you also do workshops also. You've worked um, in Fort Lauderdale at IS Projects, right? You've done a few workshops I did, yeah, right I did. there. I dropped in there for a workshop. Um, who, they're awesome. Ingrid invited me, and we did a repeat pattern workshop up at IS Projects. Um, I've done some other drop-in workshops. Um, at the Wolfsonian, I did something. At the Bass, I did something. Um, yeah, and then I did. I was working at the ICA back in spring kind of as a guest artist teaching oh that's great yeah yeah so it's cool. so many hats it's keeping you busy Incredible. so go coming back to miami was definitely a good idea yeah all it was those perfect. opportunities they've just been waiting for you kind it was of. really it was really yeah well, i mean it was really the timing nice. is everything the timing was good i i was excited i was like so excited to come back and i was like so ready to be part of this community again so um, I think a combination of my energy and my willingness to kind of like, you know. Make things happen. Yeah, make it happen really helped. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's been cool. Has your mom come back to visit you? Um, she's come through, yeah. Mom is actually moving back to Florida because she left Florida and she's like, I cannot do this non-Florida life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I need the beach, I need Publix, and like, I, like, I need to wear flip-flops. Like, I can't wear close-toe shoes. So she's been that's like in hilarious. the mountains in North Carolina, in the mountains, in Appalachia, in North okay. Carolina. Oh, and she's like, she hates it. <laughs> She's like, I'm isolated. I got nobody to talk to. Like, I mean, but you're here now, so it's So now like, I'm here. So exactly, yeah. this was part so of the... So she can come back yeah, and come you're here. Exactly. That's Mom. so funny. Mashi, where does that last name come from? If I may ask. Yeah, uh, Mashi, so that's my father's last name. My father, Tufik Mashi, so... Uh, my father is like of Palestinian origin, cool. so that that's where that is. Um, so Palestinian last name. Oh, that's and neat. he moved to, to the states when he was. Like, well, no, he, I mean he's like second generation American, oh, but like okay. the, the you know His Arabic lineage, right? Mm -hmm. And in, but in in true Miami fashion, like one generation of Palestinian immigrants landed in Cuba, and so my grandmother was born in Cuba. So she was like spoke Spanish and Arabic at home. Oh, like, no way. Yeah, there's actually quite a big like Arabic Lebanese population. Yeah, Lebanese. Yeah. Oh, my best friend's part Lebanese. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And then mom is like straight like Polish American, you know, Polish white American. <laughs> 
So you speak um, Where'd your Polish or Arabic? No, or? I, spe I speak Spanish. Spanish. And, yeah, no, Did they meet here in Miami, your folks? They, yeah, kind of in, in Miami, kind of in upstate New York, which is okay. where my mom's originally from. Because my, yeah, my dad worked for Eastern Airlines, and so he was like flying, and my mom was like, "Ooh, this guy." <laughs> and it was like, "I'll get married, but we're moving to Miami." I'm like, take me. Like, I can't do this snow type of weather. Yeah, yeah. So I'm being from Cuba. Can you imagine snow? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No way. No way. Mm -mm. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So coming back to your current work, like outside of like teaching, yes. what are you cooking up right now in your, in your personal studio. practice? Mm -hmm. I'm printing a lot on fiberglass mesh. Okay. So screened in patio mesh, basically. Neat. Yeah. And um, it, it, I have like a lot of memories tied to that material. You know, it's like lawn a chairs, I mean, lawn chairs, outdoors. patios, outdoor stuff. And it kind of has this like weird, whimsical, sort of trippy quality when you start layering it. And so I've been just experimenting with that. It's also kind of unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And screen printing, in a lot of ways, is very predictable because yeah. you're like, I make a design, I print it, there it is. Yeah. When you print on the mesh, some of the ink sinks through and some of it stays on the surface and grabs the, the fibers. So I've been printing on that a lot and thinking about other kinds of installations. Um, you know, like perhaps even building like my own kind of like patio-like structures. Um, you know, flipping them upside down, extending them into the sky, and kind of playing with the associations of that material and the the spaces that it creates. Yeah, I think the imagery used for the preview was um, it wasn't a print print, but it was actually like that layered mesh you you speak of, and I really like the translucency as well as like the effect of the light shining through it and being able to see through the material. So it's not just involving the actual print or mesh itself, but it's also um, activating what's behind it. Yeah. 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 And that's what's really exciting about it for me is, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it surprises me all the time. It's kind of like a hologram too. Mm -hmm. You know, you start layering it and changing the lights and, and like things appear, you know, and I, I just like that kind of ethereal quality that I can create with it as well. Um, so I even started sewing together some garments with it. So I like with the, that material. With that material, you can sew it. Yeah. So I'm kind of like in this realm right now of like post drinky shanky camouflage. Yeah, <laughs> camouflage like patios, like people as iguanas. That'd be and, pretty as like cool. Cages. Thinking of them as cages and and sort of like the costume. So uh, right now it's a, it's a little fuzzy like the material itself, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of where I'm moving. It's thinking about the garment and the space again. Mm -hmm. Where it know? lives. Where yeah. it lives. And performance is like, you know, it's just like just over yonder. Like I, I, I can feel, yeah. I can feel how this is maybe coming back to some way, way to incorporate performance. Uh -huh. Well, you kind of sort of mentioned it, like you have like, I think like most artists, like there's a certain withdrawal, like when you lean towards one part of your like, practice and then you abandon another, it's like they, they both pull at you. Uh -huh. So you've been mentioning how like you do like the, the involvement of like people or spaces and like interaction with humans. So I think that 
looking forward. That'd be something cool to see. Okay, great. Um, my last question is, because mm -hmm. <laughs> Maria held up her hand saying I'm talking to her. <laughs> my last question is, um, do you have any, I guess we always want to give you a, a time to talk about like things like you have projects coming up or exhibits or like what do you have coming forward that people could look um, up at your website? We're going to link up your website to ours. What do you have in mind? Oh. Okay, it could be classes. It could be yeah. um, exhibitions. It could be just yeah, anything. I don't post my exhibit stuff on my website, although I should, but I'm showing some work at a space called The Frank. Cool. Um, that's in Pembroke Pines, actually. So that's okay. coming up. The, the, I'm gonna put some of those uh, mesh pieces up on the 13th of October, and they'll be up till the 25th. Okay, great. On the 25th, I also am gonna give a little talk there at The Frank and talk about some of that work. Um, I'm teaching a four-week uh, screen printing class at Art Center which begins next Monday, the 8th of October. You can still sign up for you it. You can still sign up for it. There's spaces available if, you, if you're interested in screen printing. Check like it out. This is like the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and que mas? Um, probably going to be showing in uh, with the, uh, what is it called? Pushing the Pool, the, the show that Ingrid is organizing. Um, up in Fort Lauderdale. Up in Fort Lauderdale, Fat Village. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be in November as well. Oh, that's exciting. And yeah. I just want to put it out there, a little seed for thought. I would, You mentioned your professor with the Hawaiian t-shirts. Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark. Mr. Willie Clark. I look, Mr. Willie. If anyone should. takes anything out of this interview, it's that you should look up Mr. Willie Clark and listen to Deep City Records out of Miami. I think you should send him a t-shirt, like yeah. a, 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 a oh one with your prints, like a Hawaiian God. style t-shirt. Yeah. Like that's where really I'm at. Like I think you should have like I'm a, a line of like Hawaiian shirts, but like your style, and like Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miami. Like yeah. the Florida prints you yeah. do. I, so I just cool. made a bunch of ties. Actually, that's something oh. else I forgot to mention. Yes. So I was collaborating, I've been collaborating with a tailor that used to have his shop in straight up in Little Haiti on 82nd and Northeast 2nd Avenue, cool. Virgil's Tuxedo. And um, so Francois is the tailor I was working with. He made my wedding jacket. Oh, and nice. so I just made a whole line of ties with Francois and so those cool. have my prints incorporated, super accessible. I'm gonna start selling them. They'll nice. be on my website soon. Awesome. awesome, check out the ties. Check out the ties, Tranky ties. Tranky ties. Very last question, okay. Go Maria. Go You've Maria. been sitting on a magical rocking chair Yes. for the last hour or so and it grants you three wishes three wishes three yeah. wishes you can wish for okay. anything and everything you have to say it out loud otherwise they're not gonna come true oh, oh so God. what are your three wishes oh my goodness what are my three this is such a hard question okay what are my three wishes that's hard oh my god it's so difficult Maria. i wish that. Oh my god, the pressure's <laughs> on. Okay. You won't look. I won't look at okay. you. I wish that I could wake up tomorrow and speak every language in the world. That'd be amazing. Mm. That okay. would be pretty cool. And then I could just like talk to anyone. That'd be amazing. Know? That would be pretty yeah. cool. Um, second wish. Um, and it's got to be like an endless supply of something. That wish will come true. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> that wish will come true. Maybe an endless supply of... I'm going to put Google Translate on your homepage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an endless supply of... of uh, I mean, I guess like love. Aww. Yeah. Love and happiness. 
for everyone. That's nice. That would be a good wish. That's wow. a lovely wish. That's such a lovely I wish. Like I was going to say like a food, and I was like, wait a second, it's so boring. It like, depends on the food, but love and happiness is you pretty good. You can talk about love and happiness. You, know, you don't need yeah. food. Endless supply of love and happiness. And uh, third wish is uh, for like, I don't know, a nice bowl of ice cream tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I I'm like right there wishes. with you. Yeah. Let's oh my get some goodness. ice cream. I can't believe it's ended already. Thank you so much, Nick, for stopping by. Thank Those you. of you that are interested, um, check out his link on his website. Also, the Art Center website has your information as well. Yep, if definitely. you're interested on um, signing up for classes. And I think Tranky Ties sounds really Tranky cool. Tranky Ties. Check them out. And Mr. Clark. And Mr. Clark. Check out Mr. Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in again. This was uh, Rock and Chess Sessions number volume 77. 77. And we're going to be back next Monday with 78. Okay. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Yeah, long Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all.